And hello and welcome everyone. I'm Jake Novak. This is Novak Now here on the Malcolm Siegel Network. And you know, I think the title of this edition of Novak Now could really be How Your Bubby Could Solve All of America's Problems. <laughs> uh, or How Your Bubby Has Always Known How to Fix What's Wrong with the Country. Um, and I know that's a little tongue-in-cheek, but there are so many common themes going on right now in some of the more disturbing aspects of what's going on in America and in other countries as well, but obviously we're going to focus on the United States. And we'll do some comparisons to, to Israel as well, where thankfully there are some very positive things to compare. But your bubby, your grandmother, had you know, the stereotypical bubby, the stereotypical grandmother kind of knows the secrets to life, whether she realizes it or not, and kind of knows the secrets to how to unlock some of the problems that are going on right now. Uh, you'll have to bear with me. I'll have to sort of go through two of the major stories that are going on right now. You know, this is Novak now, so we never ignore the current events at all. We always try to focus on that a little bit, at least a little bit, sometimes a lot. But I will get to it, and you have to sort of understand and see what's going on right now and some of the, the, what I see, see, feel is what we really need to, to focus on fixing. Um, the first story is, again, unfortunately, there was another one of those mass shootings in America on Saturday, uh, this time in Odessa, Texas, where a 26-year-old young man, unmarried, apparently he had just been fired, uh, was pulled over by some police officers, I assume it was state troopers in Texas, for not signaling properly. While he was driving, he shot at them, and then he went on a rampage just shooting randomly at people on the highway, and he ends up killing seven people. Um, he was shot and killed as well. So, I, And again, this is always confusing sometimes, whether or not they count the shooter as one of the dead people. I think that in this case, they have. So seven, six innocent people dead, a number of others wounded, probably, I think more than a dozen other, others wounded. And once again, the profile, sadly, uh, pretty much fits into what I would say is about 90 to 95% of the mass shooters that we've seen, these enraged mass shooters or crazed mass shooters, whatever adjective you want to use. Uh, these tend to be men between the ages of 19 and 30 years old. Again, there have been a number of exceptions, but I'm talking about 90 to 95% of these shooters. They tend to be young men between those ages. Um, and almost never married, almost never in a relationship, almost never with any children. And again, we've got uh, this kind of profile. Uh, be, this fits the profile of this uh, shooter. And, again, uh, there's the usual calls for some kind of legislation on guns. Um, and I say some kind uh, very advisedly because very rarely does anyone who says, I want to have a gun control or I want to have some rule ever actually tell you specifically what rule they want. Because that's the easy part. The easy part is just to say, I want to have some laws that stop the shootings. Well, we would all love to have laws that stop the shootings as long as there's no other losses of freedom or decency from them. So it's very easy just to say vaguely, I want this rule. Uh, sometimes people say, well, I want this. I want better background checks, which, of course, almost never 
would have stopped any one of these shootings, but okay. And that's, at least that's something specific, but that's actually kind of a stretch to call that specific because we really do have background checks in this country. The only way you can get a gun in this country without a background check is if your brother or your friend sells one to you in the backyard, which is technically legal in some ways. Uh, in some, 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 some places, that that's, that's not legal either. But uh, none of these mass shooters has ever gotten a gun that way. So just something to think about. So, of course, that's one story that um, has been a big story this weekend. And the other big story, which is still developing, and, and frighteningly so for people who live in Florida and Georgia and South Carolina and probably into North Carolina now, is Hurricane Dorian, which is a very, very strong hurricane right now. I, I, the last I checked, it was Category 5. I think it may have been downgraded maybe to Category 4, but it could go right back up. This is one of the most powerful storms we've seen in a long time. It really hit the Bahamas on Sunday and, and did some tremendous damage there. And uh, it's uh, very unpredictable, but perhaps it's on its way to a number of parts of the southern United States just in the next 24 to 48 hours. Uh, I'm not a meteorologist, and I'm not going to play one on the radio, so I don't want to talk necessarily about the, causing, the cause of hurricanes and all that jazz. But even before the hurricane hits the United States, what we've seen very clearly in some parts of our mainstream news media and certainly on our social media is the extreme anger and nastiness that comes out during these kinds of events. People get afraid. People get afraid um, during these hurricanes, and people are, you know, we're at a loss. We can't really explain it. We know that hurricanes indiscriminately cause a lot of damage to good and bad people, to things that are good and bad as well. And the response that so many people have during these uncertain moments is very often inappropriate. And I'll give you an example, just to, to put it down to earth when you have for example many of you have had this happen in your family sadly you've had someone close to you pass away someone in your family pass away and inevitably there's that one friend or acquaintance or even other distant family member from maybe another side of your family who says something inappropriate who says something like well they lived a good life or well god never gives you anything you can't handle things like that and it's just like (laughs) it gets to a point where especially if you're grieving in a more tragic situation it becomes incredibly frustrating. There's always someone who says that. And where does that come from? Does that come from just not someone who doesn't like you, someone who wants to hurt you? Usually it's not that. It's coming from someone who was really flummoxed by the vagaries and the questions and the, and, and the scary aspects of death. And human beings tend to be awkward, uh, tend to be really inappropriate during those times. And sometimes it comes out as anger or comes out, the emotion comes out wrong. And so... During every hurricane now or flooding, we're seeing, sadly, sometimes similar reactions to the mass shootings, which also create that, you know, that question of death, the question surrounding that and the awkwardness around that. And people will say something inappropriate. Again, not all people. Uh, Hopefully you don't have a lot of people like this in your life, but it happens. And of course, social media is the great microphone to negativity. There are a lot of great things that can be achieved on social media the getting out of vital information. I know some people, for example, who were greatly helped during the California wildfires last year just by looking on social media where they were given information about where to go. It's a great way to get information that you need out to as many people as possible without having to wait for um, the the regular news media to get to it if they ever do. Um, 
another great mitzvah that I that I've heard about, great good deed that I've heard about. Um, although mitzvah does not literally translate to good deed, I know some of you who are listening are are, are going to be a stickler about that. But a great kindness that can be done based uh, using social media. It started in Israel, and now I've, I've seen people in the United States doing it, where somebody, uh, usually like a veteran or someone who was liked uh, for a long time but has no family who passes away, and then a message goes out on social media to a certain group of people who are waiting for these kinds of messages, telling them, here's where and when the funeral is going to be, so that a, a person doesn't have to have a funeral or only one person comes or, no, or nobody comes. Um, so there are so many great things that social media can achieve and has achieved. But one of the unfortunate things that it does, that it does act as a microphone on negativity. If you feel, if there's somebody out there who's angry, if there's somebody out there who wants to lash out, if there's somebody out there who wants to be nasty, social media is a great thing for them because it allows them to have a microphone and a a chance to really, it seems like it encourages that kind of behavior very often. And so the hurricanes and the mass shootings bring out the people who are having that same, you know, sort of questionable reaction, but coming as it comes out in anger and hatred. So the mass shooting happens and there are people who can't wait to blame it on someone. And social media is there. It's that open door and opportunity for them to do that. It's to really bash the heck out of somebody, which doesn't work. I mean, if you're looking for a change in the laws, which, again, I, I don't know if there's any law that can be changed that will do much here. But let's say, let's say there is a law or two that could make a change. Let's say there is. Is going on social media and personally insulting and bashing and blaming a mass death on somebody who really isn't responsible for it going to get you that law passed? I mean, just think about that for a second. I mean, there's a reason why some diplomats are sometimes successful. It's not the way to go if that's really what you want. But if your interest is in to bash someone, then great, go ahead and do that. And sometimes I fear, especially with things like gun laws and especially with things like environmentalism, that the bulk of the people who support those things are actually only attracted to it because they like it because it's a way to bash the people that they don't like. Uh, You've heard me talk about this example on Novak. Now, you know, listen, there are a lot of technological achievements that could really help us clean up our environment, including large turbines that companies have invented that could actually suck the carbon emissions out of the sky. How come you haven't heard that much about it? Well, I suspect it has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of people who are involved with environmentalism aren't actually ecologists. But they sure as heck hate the oil companies, and they sure as heck hate Republicans, and they sure as heck hate wealthy corporations. And environmentalism is very, very attractive to them because that's a way for them to bash all three. Now, thankfully, I've met some real ecologists and some real environmentalists who really want to make some changes. And... You know what's really interesting about them? They never really talk too much about who they want to bash. They talk about, well, here's a solution. They'll talk to me about how, for example, there's a new form of nuclear power that really deals with nuclear waste much better than in the past. That seems to be a much more environmentally sound way for us to get our power in this country, certainly more than coal plants. And maybe, maybe, maybe more than natural gas plants. Um, There are people who just want to talk about this technological discovery of these turbines that suck the emissions out of the air. Those people I trust. And I don't care what their politics are. Maybe they just totally disagree with me on on, on politics and everything else like that. Fine. But if that's what they talk about when they're talking about environmentalism, then I trust them much more than I trust someone who just says, we went down with this, down with that, I hate you, I hate this. I mean, that's really what what you see so very often. But you know, what, what we're seeing from this shooting and we're seeing from this hurricane is not enough focus on the good things. Yes, the first responders, the people who come and, 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 aid the people who are who are in trouble 
the cops who went down and hunted down this mass shooter and got him. I mean, I, I know it's not pleasant to think about it, the shooter being shot and killed, but it certainly is the, an outcome that needed to happen. More people would have died if that didn't happen. We need to be grateful for them, and I wish there were more fo- focus on that. And then we're also not thinking about, I mean, look at the amount of work and care and, and preparations that, that are going on for, the, for this hurricane. I mean, these are people who are working hard. I can't think of any of them who are highly paid. Uh, who are doing all these good things. And again, I understand why we, why, I understand that some, of, that some of them are acknowledged and we talk about them and we praise them and we, even, even in advance, but not as much as, it, does, it just doesn't get the, amp, the amplification. It isn't as amplified as much as the anger and the hatred. And you know, we're a country right now that's very, very angry. And it isn't just about the anger. You've probably heard me say this on a previous edition or two of Novak Now, but I truly believe this. And I think this is an outgrowth of, uh, that the anger is an outgrowth of this. There is no such thing. This is something, I hope you remember this. There is no such thing as a non-religious person. Everybody in their life is either a member of one of the established religions. They're either a devout Christian, Jew, Muslim, Hindu. I, I, know, I know I'm leaving out some other religions. Baha'i, uh, Sikh. I, I don't mean to leave out any religion. So you understand what I mean by an established religion. Or... They have a religious devotion to something else that acts as a religion. It could be football. It could be following the band Fish. It could be following a certain type of. Uh, it, it could be. I, I see a religious devotion to, to marijuana and drugs, by the way, from some people. So it is, or, or for example, holistic healing type stuff. Religion, to me, a, a tremendous defini- part of the definition of religion is believing in something that can't be scientifically quantified. Now, we can have wonderful arguments about the proofs of God being in the world and all of that, but no one who is truly religious will tell you, for example, a truly religious Jew will understand that that's the, that's the faith part. That's the amuna part of being a Jew. If we could scientifically prove God and all the other things that, have had, that, that Jews believe in, then it wouldn't be an act of faith. And there are people who do that with other things. So there are people who have taken on environmentalism and I think the angry part of environmentalism as an act of faith. And so they get angry when they see things like this, just like 300 years ago in New England when they were going on witch hunts. It's a similar type of thing. They are fundamentalists. And so they can't have an event that doesn't go without the ritual or the religious level punishment of the enemies out there. And the same thing with mass shootings. It can't be, hey, how can we fix this? Let's work together. Um, let's find out who these mass shooters are and see if there's a certain profile there and see if we can work it. No, it's got to be, you're a terrible congressman for not passing this law and you're a bad president and it's the NRA. And it's, I mean, this is exactly the way things were in ancient times and continue to this day. You know, a terrible event would happen, like an earthquake, like a horrible weather event. And the community religious elders in the pagan societies or even some of the monotheistic, monotheistic societies of ancient past would have to come out and find a scapegoat. Who do we blame for the horrible earthquake? Who do we blame for this weather? Oh, it's the sinners, and let's sacrifice them. And we're still there. <laughs> so a lot of these people who would claim that, I'm an atheist, I'm a psychic, I don't believe in any religion. I, and to that, I always say baloney. Let me have five minutes with you, maybe 10, and I'll figure out what your religion is. Maybe it's environmentalism. Maybe it's drugs. A lot of times the, the religion that people take up to substitute for established religion is narcissism. 
the sort of belief that I'm just going to make myself happy. I believe in everything that's great for me. So, and, and we see that a lot of the times. Politics is another one. I see religious devotion to, a, to particular politi- political parties in America. That's why no matter what happens in America, you're always going to have about 40% voting for the Democrats and 40% voting for the Republican, no matter what. Nothing can shake these people from their religious beliefs. And it's, it, it is like a religion for a lot of people, which is why I think there's been so... And, and I think more and more people are turning away from established religion and choosing politics and choosing some of these other re- replacements for religion with religious devotion. And that's why I think the election results in America, in addition to the fact that they've been so close for a number of the elections that we've had in the last 20 years or so, but that's why I think so many Americans are getting bent out of shape by election results, because it isn't just a loss of an election, it's a loss to their, their religion, to their God, to their belief system. It's like the ancient times when two city-states would have a war against each other, and it was also considered to be a war of the gods of those city-states. So when a particular candidate loses, it isn't only that they lost, it's the other guys came into my sanctuary and, de- and, and desecrated it. I mean, that's really, I, I see that type of reaction on the faces of people during lost elections sometimes. And it's really frightening. It's really frightening. But I think that the anger in America, and this is more connected to the mass shooting thing, is something that is coming out of the outgrowth of people who are really at loose ends in their lives. They don't have the purpose. And there's always going to be people who are stuck without a purpose in life. But what's frightening me and what has frightened me for many of the last couple of decades is that America isn't listening to Bubby. Bubby has always kind of known what is most likely, for most people, the best ingredients, the best recipe, the best way to get to a better place in America. So what am I talking about? What are the things that we stereotypically associate with your Jewish grandmother? This is true of a lot of cultures. I think Italian grandmothers, African-American grandmothers maybe even I, I, plenty of other uh, cultures the same have a bubby figure in their, in their tradition. But what does your bubby kind of want from you, especially as you start to get a little bit older, you know, getting it to be a teenager or a little bit older than that? She wants you to get married. She wants you to have children. And she wants you to set up a home. And we can all laugh that off, especially, you know, the pressure that sometimes people feel from the parents and the grandparents, stereotypical to get married. I, I, I think that that pressure has kind of gone away from the parent baby boomer to general, Gen X generation. So you got to go older. You got to go to Bubby and older to find that old-fashioned, stereotypical pressure to get married and settle down the whole thing. Well, let me tell you something. When you look at these mass shootings and you look at some of the anger in America, I, I, I find it hard to come to any other conclusion than Bubby was right. Again, 90 to 95% of these mass shooters are unmarried never been married, never been in a relationship. And, you know, there's something about being married and having kids that just lowers the chances of you becoming a violent criminal below the floor, below the basement, to the point where it's just infinitesimal, that there's any chance that you'll ever become that kind of a person. And I know there's some examples uh, that, that, that run against that, but the percent, I like my odds. I like the odds of someone who gets married and has a kid of not becoming a destructive person in our society. Now, I know that, we, that, that some of us have the horror stories of marriages that went wrong and parents that were not so good. I get it. I understand that. 
And I have never, and I've said this before on Novak now, I have never, ever, ever believed in pressuring people who are not in a relationship at all or in a bad relationship to get married. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are otherwise living a life but don't have a spouse, don't have a child, don't have the things that make us more responsible in life. And I think give us that perspective about what's important. You know, we think about ways of helping people. And I've also talked about this on Novak Now in the past, and I'll talk about it again probably in an edition of Novak Now where I devote just to this topic. But you're hearing a lot more people now talking about this universal basic income thing, which is just another form of welfare. When we talk about things that are done, you know, that we think are done out of compassion, but I think are done out of, dis- out of disdain. There's a difference between giving somebody money just to get them out, get them out of your way, to get them to stop maybe from robbing you or committing a crime. And when you do it that way, that's, that doesn't work. But when it's lovely, but it's, when it's Bubby's way of maybe giving you a little bit of a present, <laughs> a, a nice check every year at your birthday, or pushing you to get married, or saying, hey, you should, you should, you should settle down, you should have kids. That's a loving way of hoping of giving something, and there's a big difference. There's a very big difference about that. Look, I, I think that even though Hollywood is mixed up about a lot of things right now, every once in a while they can't help but make a movie. I think our sub, the subconscious of writers um, cre- forces them to once in a while write, you know, produce a movie out of Hollywood that has a good message if you just look closely enough. And there's a few of those that come out, usually one or two a year, thank goodness, at least. And there's a couple of relatively recent movies. These are movies of the last 10, 15 years. I know that's not super recent, but they're re- relatively recent movies that I think about, and I've been thinking about ever, you know, during these mass shootings and hurricanes and things like that, but certainly the mass shootings, that are really great guides to, they tell us something. You know, I have a friend named Robert Averick who's a successful screenwriter in Hollywood. He's won an Emmy or two, and he, he, he's working late into life right now, which is not bad. Um, he's getting up near 70 years old and is still uh, an in-demand writer in Hollywood, which is pretty impressive. And he has a saying that he's told me. He said, every script is a moral canvas. It's hard to write a full movie script or a full TV series script without your moral message that, that you believe in coming through some way or another. And there are two movies that really, I think, exemplify what I'm talking about here, about Bubby and what she can teach us. And that's about Time, a movie called About Time, and a movie called Children of Men. And About Time, not, and I'm going to do my best not to ruin and spoil these stories, but About Time, and this comes out in the first couple of minutes of the movie, so I'm not spoiling it, is about a father and his son who find that in their family tree for all the men, they have the ability to do time travel. I'm not going to tell you how that comes about. And what, is, what do they learn through this time travel? Do they go and do it, do they use time travel to make money? Do they use time travel to trick people or to get power? No, they use time travel to sort of accentuate the love in their lives. Uh, and I mean literal love, like actual affection and love for, for people in their lives. And it turns out that really, the, again, without spoiling the movie, that they, they find that there are certain things that they can do but once a child is born in their life, they can't go back in time before that event or they'll stop that. And, and that becomes obvious. Like, oh, I wouldn't want to do anything. Even with this great power, I wouldn't want to use this power and jeopardize something that might happen to my children. And it's such a great example of not only savoring and treasuring what's important in life, but the responsibility, even for someone who has the power to time travel, becomes more important than that power, the responsibility of raising that child. I thought it was a wonderful movie. 
And then there's a little bit of a darker movie called Children of Men where the premise is no one has had a baby in, Ameri- in the world, in the whole world, for like 18 years. So like the youngest person in the world is like 18 or 20 years old, something like that. And of course the world descends into utter chaos. There are nuclear wars, there's terrible, terrible war, because without new children coming into the world, the, resp- the, the numbers of potential mass shooter types and aggressive types and violent types goes through the roof. Because the existence of children in the world, even though there are so many children who are abused, especially refugee children and things like that, and sometimes children represent a target for bad people, sadly. But in most cases, children bring out a better behavior in us. They're the anti-Twitter. Do you, would you say something on Twitter while you're having an argument with someone on Twitter out loud in front of your children? Probably not. That's, that means that children are a good thing for you. Spend more time with them and less time arguing on Twitter. And I'm guilty of arguing on Twitter t- sometimes. Uh, I'm proud to say I've really cut down on that kind of stuff in recent years on Twitter and Facebook, that kind of thing. But I still do it every once in a while, I'm sad to say. I think it's only been a few times this year. But, it, it, but that's not the best me, even though I'm trying to make a point and I, and I try not to get personal and all that kind of stuff. It's not the best me, but when I'm with my kids and I'm, and I'm going out in public with them, that's much closer to the best me and the best person. And yes, clearly there are people who for physical and mental reasons shouldn't be parents and shouldn't be getting married and all that, but I don't think it's the biggest large percentage of people. I think that the multiple, mo- most people should really are, be- are their best selves when they're, when they're spouses and when they're parents. And it makes for a better world. And your bubby knew that. Your bubby knew that, and your bubby knows it now if she's still alive. And again, you're not in a good relationship. You don't have someone. There's no one to pressure. I'm not pressuring people, but go out and do that. Think about what's important to you. And I think that we're in that situation right now where there's a lot of anger out there, and the anger has no control over it. The anger has no off button. Because if you're not married and you don't have kids and you're not in a situation where you need to be your best self to show your children and to show your spouse as someone that you're in control and you're not someone to be frightened of, then you get out of control. You know, the, the myth of the husband who goes berserk and starts shooting up random people, it, you know, it's just that. It, yes, it happens sometimes. We've had these horrible cases of murder-suicides within families, that kind of thing. But thankfully, they, they're much more rare than random shootings, drive-by shootings or, or mass shootings or, or all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the same thing with terrorism. They don't tend to be people starting families, these guys who get into to this. Sometimes the masterminds of these things, which, and I use that term very loosely, are. But again, they're the ones masterminding the, the violence. They're not doing it. Um... So it's just one of those things where your bubby knew. <laughs> your bubby knew what, what, what was right for you. You know, years ago, the New York Times did a study on marriage. And one of the places they stopped in, and I'm glad they did. I don't know if they did it out of the goodness of their hearts, but they stopped into Pomegranate, which is that upscale gourmet kosher emporium in Brooklyn. It's, if you've never been, go. It's, it's a really great place to go. Not only is the food really good, but it's just, it just goes to show that, like, Kosher food can be done right in a really nice way. And they were asking young couples there about why they got married. And a lot of them said, like, look, I, I was attracted. And I, I, and I did, when I, meet, when I met my spouse, I did, you know, I, I did, I was very interested in all that kind of stuff. But a lot of them said they just, this was their responsibility. They've been told since a young age it, that they must get married, that that's their responsibility as a traditional Jew. 
And as much as that sounds like shackling and pressuring and bad to a lot of people out there, I don't think it's so bad. I think that too many parents are not being like their bubbies. Too many parents are afraid to pressure their children to tell their children to do the right thing. And if, you don't, if they can't do it the right way, if they can't do it in, in a way that sends a mixed message or a bad message, then okay. But find out how to do it. Find a loving way to set your children on the right course. Find a loving way to say to people, hey, you know what? We've known for thousands of years in the world what makes for a better person and a better society. And marriage and children are, are that key, are the key to that in so many ways. This has been Jake Novak. This is Novak Now. Follow me on Twitter at JakeJakeNY or Jake Novak, N-O-V-A-K on Facebook. I hope to speak to you again next week.